Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Are you ready for what God has for you today? Whether you are in the room live, watching online, or later on demand, I know one thing for sure. God wants to do something new in you. There's nothing more exciting than knowing that God is at work, even if we can't see what He's doing and have to wait a while to find out. He's always good, so our lives are safe and secure in His hands, no matter what that new thing is. I'm Chris Voigt, and I have the immense privilege of leading the team here at Dayspring. It certainly keeps me on my toes, because that team expends endless energy helping people grow. If you are visiting Dayspring today, we want you to know that you can come as you. We're just like you, regular people on a journey discovering what God has for us each day, and each day saying yes to becoming like Jesus, one step at a time. Which means that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, this is a good place to figure out what your yes is today, and tomorrow, and the next day. Slowly becoming like Jesus. We haven't arrived yet, so we can be good company on the journey. Even if you aren't sure the Christian life is a journey you want to be on, this is a good place to ask questions as you look for answers. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Now, let's join our service. You know, with the help of our friends at Life Church in Oklahoma, uh, we've spent the Christmas season in a series we've called The Gift looking at the three different gifts that the gospel writer Matthew told us that the wise men gave to Jesus. Since you were here, you probably know the story. When Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, some wise men or magi, very wealthy, educated Gentiles, traveled a long way to come and worship Jesus. Uh, most of the time when we think of the wise men, we think that there were three of them. After all, uh, the nativity scene you have set up on your mantle at home has three. Uh, we sing, we three kings of Orient are, and Matthew mentions three gifts. So it's a natural assumption to put three and three and three together and assume that there were three wise men. There could have been three. We don't really know. But it is more likely that there were dozens. For sure, even if there were only three, they didn't travel alone. They would have servants and guards at the very least. Who knows? Maybe the little drummer boy stood away on the back of a camel. However many there were, we do know that they brought some unusual gifts, which we've been exploring the meaning of this Christmas. Uh, let's look at this part of the nativity story in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. There Matthew writes, when they saw the star, that's the, the wise men. When, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Now, though these might seem like odd gifts to bring a baby, over the past few weeks, we've seen how practical these gifts were. And even more than that, we've discovered the spiritual significance of these gifts. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The frankincense, as we learned the first week, was symbolic of the priestly role of Jesus as our high priest, the representative of the people to God. Uh, making intercession for God's people through sacrifices and prayers. And then we looked at the myrrh, which represented Jesus as the suffering servant or the Lamb of God. Today, let's look at the gift of gold. A gift that throughout history, because of the scarcity and the value of gold, has been known as a gift fit for a king. And in this case, is literally a gift for a king. For us, the gift of gold is symbolic of the kingship of Christ, Jesus, our King. As Americans, we have very little practical knowledge about what it means to have a king. We have presidents and senators and representatives and governors. What is a king, really? In fact, let's just play a little game for a moment. Are you up for a little game? Well, let's have a little fun. I will show you some different images and we'll play Name That King. This will only be fun if you participate. So get ready. I'm going to show you some different kings, and I want you to name that king. Let's start with an easy one. If I say Simba, what king do you think of? You think of the Lion King. Very good. Now you know how this works. Let's do another one. If you think about a big gorilla, who are you thinking of? The King Kong. Excellent. King Kong. You're good at this. Let's see just how good you are. If you think of a whopper, a burger, you think of... Burger King. How many of you are old enough to remember, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. <laughs> Amazing just how much those jingles drill their way into your memory. <laughs> okay, the next one. If we think of very scary novels, who do we think of? Stephen King. If you think of interviews, who do you think of? Yet Larry King. Very good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not paying you for right answers. I'd go broke. They're going to get harder. If you think of basketball, you're going to think of, you're going to think of LeBron King James. Sticking with sports, this next one is for the boomers in the room. If you're thinking tennis, let me hear you boomers, you're going to think of Billy Jean. Jean King. Very good. Let's talk music. If you're thinking of the blues, who do you have? BB King. Uh, well, okay, one more. If it were not for a little skirmish known as the Revolutionary War, we would think of this king. He is King Charles, the king across the pond. <laughs> That's really the only experience we have with kings, sports, entertainment, and the man who would have been our king if we had lost the war. So what is a king? Today we're going to talk about the kingship of Jesus Christ, a king like no other. The Magi gave him gold because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Apostle Paul, who gave us much of the New Testament, wrote uh, two letters to his protege, Timothy. In the first one, in 1 Timothy chapter 6.15, he wrote this. At just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
In Greek, which was the original language of this letter, Paul could not have stated this more forcefully or with more emphasis. Jesus is the supreme authority over all of the kingdoms of this world. The entire cosmos, every galaxy that exists is held in his hands. He is a king like no other. And this king has a very unusual way of showing love to the world. It was far from what people expected. You see, people were expecting the Messiah to show up. They were expecting a savior, a, a king to be born. The problem was the Jews were expecting their king to be born in a palace, surrounded by wealth and comfort and luxury. If he were born today, he'd be wearing a Gucci onesie. No one expected the Messiah to be born in poverty in a cave next to farm animals. No one expected the king of glory to make friends with prostitutes, touch lepers, and love those that the religious institutions had rejected. They would never have guessed that their king would choose uneducated fishermen and tax collectors and rebellious troublemakers to be his disciples. No one ever imagined that a king would forgive a woman caught in the act of adultery when the law said she should be stoned. The religious elite, the leaders of that day, expected to be met with open arms for their piety, not confronted by their heresy again and again. They never expected to have the tables overturned making, for making the temple system a place for personal profit. They never expected the king of the Jews to ride into the city on a donkey, cheered on by outcasts and sinners. And they certainly never expected a king to stand trial for crimes he did not commit. Never imagined that their king would be beaten, whipped, and stripped naked to hang on an instrument of torture called a cross. That he would be mocked on, mocked and spit on. That they would mock and spit on him before he died a death that only criminals deserved, and that while he was suffering, he would pray for the mercy of those responsible. And even in those moments, no one ever expected the sky to go dark, the earth to shake, and the temple veil, which was 30 feet tall, to be torn from top to bottom before his body was placed in a borrowed tomb. And even though he had told him beforehand, no one expected that three days later, everything would change. As he conquered death and the stone was rolled away, his body was not there because he had risen. Risen from death before taking his place at the right hand of God the Father. He is a king like no other. And it was a very unusual way to show love to a broken and sin-filled world. You know, when you, when you look at this story through the lens of the first century, you see three very distinct responses to Jesus as king. Three responses that even now, some 2,000 years later, haven't, haven't changed one bit. Maybe you'll see yourself in them as I describe them. The first is represented by King Herod. He was opposed to Jesus. He wanted to protect his own kingship, so much so that he took drastic measures. He issued a decree that all the boys under the age of two in and around Bethlehem be put to death just because he heard that there might be a king who could someday threaten his kingdom. Maybe this is you. Someone who would say, I don't need religion. I don't need any God stuff in my life. 
I don't need Jesus. I'm doing fine on my own. I don't need anybody. Some church or some outdated book telling me how to live my life. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not surrendering to Jesus as my king. The second group, probably more common today, the Jewish priests didn't oppose Jesus. They just dismissed him as king. They blew him off, which is really weird if you think about it. These were the people who could quote scripture by heart. I guess that they would have been consulted when the wise men showed up in Jerusalem asking King Herod about this new king, the reason for the star. These priests knew that Micah 5.2 promised that Jesus would come from Bethlehem. They were only five miles away, and they didn't show up to worship Jesus. The same kind of thing happens today. Do you want to go to church with me and experience the presence of God? Nah. Do you want to read God's love letter to us, also known as God's Word, the Bible? No. Nah. I don't have time. Would you like to be part of a mission sharing the love of God with the lost and broken of this world? Nah. When will this message be over anyway? We've got to get to Grandma's house. It's time to open presents. See, that's what the priests did. They just dismissed the birth of Jesus. And then there were the wise men. Their, their title gives it away. They were wise. They bowed down and worshipped Jesus as king with joy. It is the ultimate response to worship with reverence and awe, to honor the God of heaven who lowered himself to become one of us in the person of Jesus. They said, it's, it's not about me. It's not about my throne. It's not about my desires. With everything in me, I bow down. So three groups, three responses. In which group do you stand? Be honest with yourself for just a moment. Are you opposing him? You might not call it that, but let's just be honest here. That's what it is, and the way you're living proves that that's what you're doing. Or maybe uh, you're like most people today. You're just dismissing Jesus. Yeah, I did that church thing as a kid. Now I'm, now I'm a grown-up. It's a good story. Maybe I'll get back to it someday. Or is he really the king of your heart, your life? And you really want to know him and model your life after him as you serve him with everything that you are. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Wherever you are right now doesn't have to be the place where you stay. I've been in all three groups. I've opposed Jesus. In fact, every time I decide to do my own thing, I oppose Jesus. I've had seasons of my life where it might have looked good from the outside, but on the inside, I was opposing Jesus because I just wanted to do my own thing. I've also dismissed him. I've, I've resisted that tug to connect with him and chosen to do something else, something meaningless, really. I, I was tired and skipped the one thing that would fill my soul so I could check out. I dismissed Jesus to do nothing. <laughs> but that's not how I want to live or how I'm trying to be. I, I want to be wise. I've learned from experience that life is so much better when it revolves around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. With Him at the center, I don't need to strive. I can just be in peace, 
contented to let him rule my life the way he sees fit, knowing that I never walk alone. You know, God rarely does what I want, when I want, the way I want. <laughs> I'd like to think, though I know that I'm wrong on so many levels, but I'd like to think that my life would be easy peasy lemon squeezy if he did everything the way I want. In fact, I think that because we have this idea that life with God at the center should be easy peasy lemon squeezy, and then it's not, is what makes it hard for us to really commit to a Jesus-focused life. We don't like whatever the opposite of easy peasy lemon squeezy is. We, we don't like it when life is hard. We want God to just make our finances work out with no stress. We want God to just magically make our spouse into the perfect mate, and he doesn't. We want him to heal our cancer on command or heal our fill-in-the-blank physical problem on command. We want him to make sure that we get all of the credit we deserve at work with the pay that we deserve. We want him to make sure that our kids never go off the rails. We like easy peasy lemon squeezy. And when God doesn't give us that, we struggle trusting him and his plan for our lives. We have the incredible privilege of looking at the Christmas story from the other side of the Christmas story. We can see how this beautiful plan played out leading to the resurrection. In retrospect, we get it as much as humans can uh, comprehend the mystery of God. We can see the presence of God and the wisdom of God in this rather unconventional journey of Jesus our King. And if the, the Christmas story shows us anything, though God might have his own plan for our journey, his own idea of what will work best to help us become like Jesus. It's that God shows up for us in the same way he did 2,000 years ago. We might not get it now, but someday it will all come together in a glorious finale of perfection. Our meager faith perfected by our perfect King. That makes Jesus the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords worthy of our worship and surrender. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions alone or with others will help the truth of God's Word find its place in your life. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. Faithful people like you make this ministry possible. People who believe in what God is doing through Dayspring, who have experienced God's work in and through their own lives and been changed in the process. If you are just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is the responsibility of our Dayspringers. We are simply excited to play a small part as God does His perfect work in you today. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen. 
or mail us a check at the address you'll find on our website. And one more thing. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing. And if this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. Until we meet again, may you experience great joy in the presence of Jesus this holiday season.